Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. And we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Just so you know, before we start, we're going to ask you a series of questions and you just answer whatever you'd like to. Yes, this is a rapid-fire process that we call literary briefs. And let's uh, let's give Amanda, literary briefs. Literary Amanda briefs. Dodge. Amanda Dodge, our friend, came up with that concept. So let's give let's give her some credit for that. So you ready for your literary brief, Erin Greenwood? I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite book? Oh my god, my <laughs> favorite book. You know, I'm terrible at making lists. These like rankings. And fi- I'm not going to do it. I don't have a favorite book. I read a lot, and I like a lot of books. <laughs> You can say what are some of your favorite books, if you some want. Some of my favorite books? Yeah. Well, in the last year, a few of the books that I really loved. My Sister, the Serial Killer, that book was amazing. If you haven't read that, you should absolutely go and read it right away. Uh, I really loved a book that was actually put out by the same publisher who published my book um, called Hole in the Middle, um, about a girl who has a, she has a piece missing in her abdomen and her kind of journey to figure that out um that was a really great book there was a book called stray city that i really loved last year um set in portland in the 90s in this kind of enclave of lesbians where one of them (laughs) starts an affair with a man and ends up having a baby and kind of her her life there and i loved that um and uh what was the oh severance that was the other book that i would say i really loved last year um this is another near future book where there's a, a virus that's kind of taking people over and, and mm. decimating the human population. But it's this, this very kind of, I don't know, this great character who's sort of navigating all of this. It's, it's very character based, even though it doesn't sound it. That's very cool. What is your, um, are there any books out there that are your like least favorite books? Are there books that you picked up and you're like, no, thank you. Uh, are there books that I picked up and said, no, thank you? Um, that's a good question. There are none that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I I do tend to gravitate toward fiction and probably like, you know, quirky fiction mostly. So if something is not that genre, maybe it would be a little bit of a hurdle for me to get to it. But no, there aren't too many books where I rejected them out of hand. Boy, sorry, I'm going to be really boring in this. That's not no, boring. no, that, that's, that's fine. So just let, turn off the podcast. Yeah, let's let's go back to you. Let's go yeah. back to you. What is something you feel like you do really well as an author? Something you're really comfortable with? Oh, as an author, yeah. Puns, where's your voice strong? You know, puns. I'm very good at puns. I, I love puns. Yeah. What is your favorite pun you've put in a book? Oh God, I, you know, I have a terrible memory and I'm awful at making. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Now, there were a lot of dog puns in, in Your Robot Dog Will Die, like the, the um, I don't know, even know if this is exactly a pun, but the the sanctuary where the dogs live is called the Refuge. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's a pun. Yeah. That's a pun. I think that totally counts. All right, good. We like that. Um, okay, so hang on. i got a follow-up to this. Oh, sorry. i got a follow-up. Follow-up. What, what do you struggle with as a writer? What do I struggle yeah, with Yeah, what's, what's hard for you to do? I, okay, so two things I would say are hard for me to do. One is, and this is like, you really have to get over this if you're going to write a book that people are going to want to read, but like, 
I feel very protective over my characters and I want them to be happy. And like, it's, you know, you can't just have happy (laughs) characters. Like that's not much of a book, you know, but I love my characters, you know, even the ones who are not good people all the time. Like I, I want them to be redeemed and I want them to have good food to eat and a nice place. Everything goes well. There's no conflict. There's no story there. I mean, hell of a book, right? (laughs) So I'm always having to force myself to put my characters in situations where there are stakes and things can happen and they're you know they're not comfortable and so I struggle with having to do that but then I make myself do it uh and then the other thing I struggle with is just the thing that so many writers do which is I work full-time and Mm. I like to binge watch Netflix at night and (laughs) you know exactly and so I struggle with just making myself take the time that it takes to sit down and write a book, which is, it takes a lot of time. I, you, it sounds like you both are much faster writers than I am. <laughs> no, no, yeah. not at all. Austin is faster than I am. He, when he puts his mind to doing a book, he's very good at diligently going through that process. Yeah. I've done the last three NaNoWriMo's. Have yeah, no, he, yeah. he does yeah. that. We actually started our book together as a NaNoWriMo. It took a year and a half. Right. Not his fault, my fault. Not going to lie. I did mine so, in 30 days. Yeah, oh. he did. So that <laughs> yeah. counts. I did mine in 30 days times 15. So I, I think every author has their own um, methodology and their own time. So I don't, I don't think you can ever judge yourself to that because life gets yeah. in the way of being an author more than oh, yeah. anything. Sure. And so I think if you get your word out and you continue to go, even if you write two sentences a yeah. day, you're you're going to get somewhere eventually. Okay, do you get writer's block? Uh, do I get writer's block? I, I mean, I feel like the the like just making yourself sit down at the computer and bang out words, even if they turn out not to be the words that you end up keeping at the end of the book, is a pretty good cure for writer's block. It could just be that I have not experienced kind of the the sort of writer's block that actually keeps you from even being able to do that. And perhaps I'm knocking wood right now. Hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I definitely feel frustrated. I definitely feel, you know, all of the like stymied and all of the things that writers feel when they, you know, when they feel that the words are not coming as quickly or as beautifully as they ought to be or, you know, or why aren't you getting whatever, whatever it is that you feel like is preventing you from, from soaring to the level that you feel you ought to be at. I mean, I definitely go through all that feeling and that can be inhibiting when it comes to writing. Um, but I really do find that getting into a routine, um, and then also just making your, making myself sit down and put in the hours, you know, that, that usually words, some words will come out. They might not end up in the final draft, but some words will come out. I do have a question. We found a lot of authors, um, well, every author I've talked to thus far has a word mm-hmm. that they tend to <laughs> reuse. I'd say you laughed in the direction <laughs> I was going. So um, I, I know my word that I use. What is what is your okay, word? What's your word? Um, my word is uh, that uh, they... Uh, uh, I'm losing it now, my word, but it starts it starts with an R. We were drinking a lot before this <laughs> podcast, so um, anyway, I don't remember my word right now. I'll think of it in a moment. My drunken gnome will wake up. What is yours, Austin? Paroxysm. Paroxysm? Mm-hmm. 
There's no need to ever use the word paroxysm, <laughs> but I cannot help but drop it in there. It's just such a great fantastic. word. So what, do you have a word that like comes up, like if you do a search, it shows up over and over again in your Mine writing? Mine is realized. I just remembered realized. it. I, everybody realizes things yeah. in my book. Everybody realizes everything in my book. So... What is, what is yours? Didn't no, realize there was a paroxysm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> realize there was a paroxysm. <laughs> you know, I don't have one. I mean, well, you read my books and you can tell me, but as far as I know, I do not have one single word like that, but it's more like once I get a word in my head, I will end up repeating it over and over and over in a chapter. <laughs> or like like I, in the first chapter of this book, you know, it's it's um, – writing a young adult book so something I learned when I was writing Save the Enemy is that you can't swear as much as you might want in a young adult book so in this, book, in this book the mother character is a little bit filthy mouthed but I decided to have her say um, what was the word that I had her say instead of Instead of actual swords. No, it was it was frack. I was having her say frack a lot. So like Battlestar Galactica, but then also like fracking. So she's an environmentalist and, and Gosh darn it all the heck. Yeah, and one of the <laughs> my agent and then somebody else who read a draft was like, Maybe she shouldn't say frack so much. It's starting to get a little distracting. So I you know, I definitely like I'm like a dog with a bone sometimes <laughs> with a word and then need to have somebody gently tell me that perhaps it's, it's been overused. <laughs> okay, so you studied law. Yeah. And you're a writer. Yeah. Tell us about how the writing skill sets and the legal skill sets overlap. How do they feed into each other? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, they both require, uh, well, at least the way that I do it, both require kind of a lot of analytical skills and logical skills, um, but then also the ability to kind of, you know, you know, when you look at a 3D painting, you kind of have to let your eyes go fuzzy so that you can see the thing. So you have to let your brain do that so that you can come up with the, the bigger concepts or the bigger arguments or the bigger story or, you know, stuff like that. So it's the mix of the, like, like looking at something very closely and sharply and trying to look at the logic of it and the rigor of it and then also trying to like let your brain do that creative thing where it kind of goes a little bit fuzzy and you, you get the opportunity to come up with the bigger ideas. and the bigger That might be concepts. one of the best similes for the writing process that <laughs> I've ever heard. That's, hey. that's kind of blowing my mind right now. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I was a kid in the 80s. So there were a lot of those like We spent a lot of time standing in the, in the mall, mall exactly, yeah, looking at the, the static pattern. It's like, oh, it's a rhinoceros. Exactly. I mean, do you remember Spencer's Gifts? Like, you oh my God. Yes. Yeah, I can still like conjure the smell of Spencer's Gifts when I think With of the black light and the exactly. very back of the building yeah. and it had all the latex masks exactly. up along the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all the posters, you went paging through the posters, uh-huh. remember that? They're in the frames. But the three you know posters. <laughs> I do know what you're talking yeah. about. I hate to admit I was a child in the eighties yeah. and I do remember that. Love to admit. <laughs> so what when did you actually start writing? When I was, like, five years old, I mean, I was very, very young. I used to carry notebooks around with me. And, like, yeah, the notebooks, they were they were the kind with the textured front, and, like, you could feel that they were, like, a little bit pebbled. Oh, my God, this is one of the, this is, like, the heartbreak of my childhood. I used to carry a book or a notebook with me everywhere I went. So, like, my we would go out to eat, and I would have a book with me. Everybody else would be talking. I would be reading. Or I would have my notebook. Everybody would be talking, and I'd be scribbling away in my notebook, except... 
they were left behind in a restaurant one time. So all of these like oh, no. young oh, right no. yeah. I, I they were brilliant. I mean anybody could <laughs> I mean yeah literally surprise winning more great here. Exactly. Yeah. No, but always. I mean I just always loved to write and yeah, I just it was just the thing that came the most naturally and, and it's really funny because when I go back and look at you know, there's we didn't I'm old enough to have seen Spencer's gifts in the 80s and also old enough that we didn't have computers when I was a kid. So, you know, there are just a few, I don't have electronic records of all the stuff I wrote when I was young, but there's like a few paper copies that I found in a closet. And, you know, I can see even in like school papers, I was using the same dumb puns and the same like, you know. It was all there. Exactly. I was like inserting jokes into research papers. And stuff. I mean, I was doing that even... Like, the same writing voice that I have now, which is, like, this combination of, you know, uh, whatever it is, but, <laughs> like, also with, like, the asides and the jokes. Like, I was doing that even when I was 10 years old and 12 years old. And She was yeah. wittier than us when she was 10. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, or, I like, that was where I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember writing a, quote, story when I was in kindergarten, and my teacher, like, read it to the class. That's it was really like nice. folded over paper, stapled. Did you ever do that? Like yeah. the crayons yeah. and like illustrate your own novel. I Did you ever do, do that? that? Yeah. No. What was it about? Do you remember? Uh, it, it had something to do with a stick figure that got caught in a hurricane while oh. he was flying. Which oh. none of that makes any sense. But I mean, why not? <laughs> I thought so, that's what you do on Wednesdays. Basically, yes. <laughs> so let's go from the distant past to sure. the distant future. What is like your dream writing career? How what would that look like? Oh gosh, I mean, I I would love to just be writing a novel a year and you know be doing that i that would be great i would love that like yeah. one per year that would be like yeah your, i think that you think you could sustain that one per year so. yeah. yeah i mean i feel like i feel like if i were in the habit of it and had you know a contract for it i mean <laughs> I, you know i'm used to being a journalist i'm also used to having other jobs where i have a lot of deadlines like i can write to deadline you know mm-hmm. so if i have like a deadline every year i'll meet that deadline every year so, so being a journalist right yeah how does being a journalist contribute to your fiction voice uh they're they're pretty different i would say i mean it's again i i feel like this many books in i should i should be more on firm footing with my fiction voice but i feel like i'm still developing it i mean it took me Actually, it's funny to say that after just saying I've sounded the same since I was five years old. <laughs> I've sounded I'm exactly not the same, exactly. but I'm totally, I'm totally different. As a matter of fact, yeah. none of my oh, stuff no. is the same. <laughs> As what is going on? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I ask you. Oh, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I totally can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, how are they different? I mean, I I don't know. I I think I sort of sound like me all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it as a journalist, um, you know, the main difference is you have to stick with things that are true. Mm. <laughs> so so I would say that is the main difference between my journalism <laughs> and my fiction is in journalism everything I write is true. There's <laughs> a lot of compression though, right? In journalism, is you got to com- compress a lot of meaning into a sentence. Uh, you know, you're not going to be extravagantly wordy in journalism, and perhaps that's good training in fiction. Do you think? Is that good fit? Uh, that's a good question. Because um, you know, when you're writing for, yeah. for example, 
a newspaper, right. if you're writing for the Huffington Post, yeah. whatever, you can't like go off on adjectives and adverbs and all kinds of, you know, subordinate clauses and really complicated, weird, convoluted grammatical structures. Can you? <laughs> I mean, some people do, they shouldn't, but right. you know, so I think Don't maybe... say shouldn't, I think she's indicating she did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're picking on her author Not that now. there's anything you, you wrong with that. You try to be a good writer. <laughs> You try to write stuff people will want to read in both cases. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I'll have to think about that more. Can I can I add an addendum to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, sure. Later? We can, you, can, you, can, you can come back next time. I'll tell you what, when book four comes out, yeah. we'll have you on again. Okay. And, and by can, then I'll have a good answer. And, and you can circle back to the issue of yeah. how journalism influences your fiction writing voice. Right, right, right. I mean, topic-wise... Make, make a note of that. Yeah, topic-wise, I mean, my... the. The last book and then this book that I'm working on now, I mean, both both kind of stem out of my work as an animal journalist. Um, so I guess topic-wise, they are related. No, I think that, you know, one of the interesting things when it comes to good journalism, too, to your point, is having succinct, look, I used that word, yeah. succinct, succinct. Infor- succinct information is also finding um, people who are good at telling a story because just relating the facts mm-hmm. is not necessarily ha- gripping you and having you tell you know the story and making you feel like you're in whatever that that situation is. Right, that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, right? That's how the fiction writing voice influences your journalism voice. Yes. Is that what you asked her though? What did you wait, what did you ask her? I asked how journalism impacts her fiction storytelling. So basically I didn't help at all. We should ask you a new question. So Well it's your turn. No, I'm about to ask a question. Okay, well, this. go. I'm, I'm stopping trying to it. You are stopping me. You're inhibiting no. me in Please my existence. Please continue right now, Eric. Mom and Dad, stop it. <laughs> are we still going to the movies? <laughs> no! <laughs> I will turn this car right around. <laughs> what, um, what authors have uh, impinged on you, like had a lot of meaning to your writing? Like sort of your... Do you have ones that are ones you look up to or your... Uh... Do I have ones I looked at? I mean, I, there's a lot of writers who I really like a lot for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I would say during those sort of formative years, you know, I, like in high school and then in college, I mean, the, the the Hemingways and all of those writers, you know, I just read them hungrily trying to figure out how they did this because they seem to live such exciting lives and then write such exciting books and you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like writing is more professionalized now, and so now I read. I, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of room to be that kind of. I don't know, writer on the lamb, I guess, in the same sort of a way. You know, and and, I mean, I I read a lot of writers whose work I really admire now. I feel like. Perhaps now I just know what it's like to be an adult. I'm not answering your question at all. It doesn't matter. Oh my God. I, what is it like yeah, to be an adult? Yeah, what movie are we going to see? <laughs> How much can I talk about myself? <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, it's important what you're saying because when it comes to commercialized writing, I mean, yeah. we met because all three of us are, whether it's independent published or indie published authors for the most part, right? And um, having something like that versus something mainstream that um, it's interesting when you read people's first work or Mm. first books in a series or something like that versus if they're on book 27 Mm -hmm. of a series, 
New York Times bestseller. And you, for me at least, I've seen it becomes more contrived. Like you can tell that whatever passion that they had that started them, and this is not true with every single author, but whatever passion, whatever people they had around them that influenced changes, whether it was beta readers or mm-hmm. editors and stuff like that, like I feel like they almost lose the story mm. that they were telling to begin mm-hmm. with. And I think that when you have people who are still doing this as a passion, because like what you're saying right now, we all of us sitting at the table have, you know, adult jobs. I'm using quotation marks, but we do this because we love this and it makes us happy. And this is where we, you know, joy is sparked for Marie Kondo fans. And <laughs> it makes a difference when you're writing from that versus writing because you're on a contract mm. and you owe book 27 to them. I think that there is a point where you have to figure out that happy medium because we are those authors that are those rebels and stuff like that. I think Hemingway wasn't nearly as appreciated when he was alive as he was now. And I think that's, I'm glad to see more authors are appreciated now than when they're dead because it really sucks to any art form that you're like, you're brilliant in the grave, you know, you know, not that you're going to do anything more and you never got told how brilliant you were. But I, I, I can see that, and um, I think the early works of a lot of authors, even though I'm sure they look back like we discussed um, in the previous podcast and look at it and go, ah, this was terrible. What the hell? Somebody take this off the shelf. I don't want to <laughs> read it. Versus the ones later where if you're forced to do it and you're mm-hmm. forced to do something, then it doesn't have the same, I don't know. Now I'm off on a diet trip. But I, no, but I think I know what you mean. I mean, it's it's... Gosh, this is like, it's hard to express, but I do feel like when I look back at stuff I wrote when I was much younger, there is a kind of, I don't want to say naivete, but there was, there was like a different kind of just sort of jumping in than, than I feel now, like now, you know, having written professionally for many years now and, you know, having learned to meet deadlines and having learned to like, get the tone right and the the length right and all of these things I mean I look forward like I was saying I mean I look forward to the day where like I get to write a book a year and I know what it's going to be like to sit down and write it and at the same time there's a different kind of spontaneity I think to the writing when you're uh, earlier in it and you don't know what you're doing and you're just kind of you know your raw self jumping in and it's you know, and I think that's part of, like, like we were saying, I guess, in the earlier podcast. Um, but, you know, when you look back and you're vaguely embarrassed by the stuff that you wrote <laughs> when you were younger. But at the same time, like, it was before you learned how to cover yourself up and be, you know, and and meet all the rules and do everything right. And there's, there's something beautiful about that, too. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like for all of these years now, I've just been, like working hard and trying to like just trying to trying to like you know you scrabble for everything you have as a as a writer at least that's been my experience of it Um, I I think that's pretty universal yeah uh, and scrabbling yeah (laughs) and the idea of at some point being able to like just go off on a uh, I don't I'm picturing your boat now, Austin. <laughs> but, but even that's like adult life at some point, right? Like it's, when, there's there's yeah. a lot of maintenance that goes yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. It's not all pina yeah. coladas on tropical beaches. Yeah, maybe what I'm trying to say is I need a vacation. I don't know. Well, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. you do. And maybe this uh, 
this writing career will get you to the vacation lifestyle. <laughs> Writers all have vacations. <laughs> That's super, super how it goes. <laughs> and we're going to promote that to be the case. Right. So Absolutely, if you're a writer, yes. you have a vacation right. lifestyle. That's that, right. that is totally what Everybody it's like. Everybody knows yeah. it. 24-7. story. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so our guest has been Aaron Greenwood, A-R-I-N Greenwood. And where can we find you, Aaron? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at A-R-I-N-G-R-E-E-N-W-O-O-D. That's me. And on Twitter at A-R-I-N underscore twit. Yes. I, I think twit should be the past tense of tweet. As in... I tweeted. I tweeted. <laughs> there is a crumb in my bra, she twit. <laughs> with that later. Erin, <laughs> thank you again for joining us. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm Erica Williams. And I'm Austin Scott Collins. And this is Drinking with Authors. 